You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Barkley off the hesitation, inside the five, still going. Touchdown, Saquon Barkley. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Hey, good morning, Grump, or good evening. Yeah, if, you're li- <laughs> if you're listening to this in Seoul, South Korea at night right now, good morning. <laughs> I, I believe they have a different word for that, but yeah. Yeah, but if not, good evening, Grump. Happy happy Monday in the middle of the off season. Yeah, we're heading towards the heart of summer at the end of the week, I believe, is the official first day of summer. It's the longest day of the year. Yeah, as my dad always says, days getting shorter now. Oh. As he'll say in December twenty first, days getting longer now. Like, all right, how can they? Uh, how can they find us, Grump? <laughs> you can find us and all of our dad jokes on iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, um, SoundCloud. Uh, you know, pretty much anywhere where there's podcasts, you can find us. Just search Just Giants and subscribe for free or follow for free, whatever, um, so that you don't have to look for us anymore. It just shows up in your inventory. Yeah, we're in more and more places as Grump and I actually explore the worldwide informational superhighway and find. Yeah. There are more and more places where you people listen to podcasts. So we we appreciate everybody who listens, whether you are in the New York area or – Somewhere else in this great country or this great marble that we call the Earth. So uh, we do have international fans. Uh, we've had fans in Germany for over a year now, actually. That's right. Yeah. Well, we appreciate that. And when we come over there at some point, we do our world tour. <laughs> we will be sure to look you up. Yeah. And with that, <laughs> prost to our friends in Germany. <laughs> Guten Tag. Ah, so. Before we get on with our season preview, we took a one-week hiatus to go over the, well, week week and a half, as we, we didn't even get to last week's episode until late in the week, but uh, we attended the Giants Town Hall and went over all those things and kind of highlighted, you know, the fun little things as long as, along with the uh, things between the lines. Um, but before we get to the continuation of our season preview, uh, just something interesting I, I thought, and I, th- I think this is an interesting thing to get. Uh, Giants fans' opinions on uh, Ryan Dunleavy from NG, NJ.com had sort of uh, a, an article, I guess, but more like a vote on who is the bigger Giants killer, whether it's Jason Witten from Dallas Cowboys or Deshaun Jackson, most notably from the Eagles, but also the Redskins and uh, Buccaneers. Um, and, you know, this is something that has kind of annoyed me for a while, mainly because I, I, I hate both of them because of, you know, <laughs> obvious reasons. But it really bothered me that Deshaun Jackson was always known as this Giants killer because the first thing that people say about him is, you know, the miracle at the Meadowlands, punt return, whatever. And then you ask them for, okay, what else? And they can't say anything else. And he's had good games here and there, but I felt like it was really spotty performances. And it, to me, that's just really what he is. He's just not there until he has like a 50-yard catch and I don't know. All of a sudden that makes him a Giants killer? I, I'm not sure. He's just got the the one famous one to me. 
When I think about Jason Witten, I think about the one guy that I don't understand why we can't cover him, but he's got like an average of probably eight catches a game versus the Giants. To me, Grump, a bigger killer is a guy that when it's third and 11, the guy continuously getting the first down. When there's a minute 50 left and it's third and 10 and you get a stop, you can get the ball back to potentially win and over the middle, you're catching it for a first down game over. I mean, that's Jason Witten. And he did that a ton against us. You know, the uh, one of the greatest all-time meltdowns in Cranky fan history was that punt return by Deshaun Jackson. And I'm pretty sure that was pre-Twitter. And if it wasn't, I probably would have been banned by uh, Jack Dorsey from the uh, the platform at the time. But uh, that was one play. You know, I, I think the bulk of the work that uh, Jason Witten did over his career – Makes it pretty obvious that that's who I would vote for. And guess what? He's going to come back this year and probably be a shell of himself. But don't be shocked. <laughs> yeah. Don't be shocked if, you know, per normal, we can't cover a tight end and he's torching us or having a significant play. And by the way, we will remind everybody when we do play the Giants of the uh, Grump and Cranky fan drinking game. Every time they mention Jason Witten and say future Hall of Famer, you have to swig a quart of tequila. So. Oh, yeah. I, I think you could do a thimble full of O'Doul's and get drunk by the end of the night. <laughs> as long as it's a Sunday night football game, which it is, which it is not this year, um, you, you will be guaranteed to hear future Hall of Famer Jason Witten 15 times. <laughs> However, this year the Giants are playing – the Cowboys week one uh, at 4.30 and then week nine at home Monday night 8.15. And that's where we pick up our season preview part three. Dallas comes to MetLife Stadium on Monday night. Uh, you know, one of those things that the Giants just haven't done well in probably since like 2008. <laughs> I mean, they do everything possible to minimize the crowd advantage for the Giants. They stick us on you know, the first game of the year, usually a prime timer, and then they stick us on the Monday night game where a good percentage of the fan base sells their tickets to make money to pay for their other seven games. And, you know, that's fine. I, I, I understand that. These tickets are expensive. But when you have a game, a Monday night game, Giants-Cowboys – and the Cowboys are anything better than the 1-15 they were the year they had Jimmy Johnson, you're going to have a lot of Cowboy fans. A lot of Cowboy fans with accents that sound closer to Edison, New Jersey than they do Irving, Texas. And it's a shit show. And it is not a fun experience. And you don't have a home field advantage that's suspect to begin with. gets pretty bad. So... Don't I don't like think it. I've met a Cowboys fan with a Texas accent yet. <laughs> I, I mm, no, and it's interesting, Grump. Well, Grump you've, you've year, been there. You've been in Arlington. So. I, I was just going to say this is this year will be Grump's first trip ever to Arlington, and he's going to experience. It is a totally different fan base who goes to games in Arlington, or he's going to Irving before, as opposed to the bandwagon nation that is Cowboy fan that either 
lives in a particular area and sees their team once a year or just road trips to see them. I mean, it's it's the same incarnation of Yankee fan, the same one that's LeBron fan. So very, very annoying front-running fan base. And you all know who you are out there too, so don't try to deny it. Well, yeah, everybody listening to this podcast Cowboys. has one friend that's like this, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's amazing how vocal and obnoxious they are when they're winning and when they're losing are nowhere to be seen or heard. Well, when they're when they when Cowboys are having a, a a bad year to start the year, they're talking Yankees baseball when, you know, it's the end of the year, they're, you know, I don't know, talking Ohio State football. <laughs> there's there's always some other distraction. Maybe they're talking Notre Dame football, probably. Yeah, I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and as we sit here and bash Cowboys fan, I I think this one's another loss in pencil. I said the same thing about Week One. Um, one of the notable things I said about the Week One, my my Week One prediction, which was also a loss, was that there's just so many new pieces on this offense. And they're all upgrades, but you know that week one game is just—it's it, too early to expect a well-oiled machine, and uh, it looks more like a clumsy, dilapidated jalopy. Um, this week, I think they look a lot better, and there's improvements, and I think that this is this is a close game, and I, I think the night game atmosphere makes it you know, you know, just that much more frustrating, um, but. I think ultimately so, – so I, I think a lot of what the problem is that the Giants are going to have trouble with the offensive line, you know, dealing with this defensive line of, of Dallas and Dexter Lawrence, etc. Um, and I, I think that it comes down to an Eli fuck-up at some point, whether it's, you know, gun-shy Eli going down a little bit too easy or just, you know, throwing off his back foot up in the air and stupid decisions – you know, just the classic Eli we've seen since day one, making the classic Eli mistake. And uh, I think that one actually spells doom for this game, where it was relatively close, maybe a one-score game, uh, and he kind of throws it away. And I think this is the week we start hearing louder chants for – not not chants in the stadium, but I mean, uh, you know, the next morning the Daniel Jones calls are, are starting to get overwhelming. That's what I think of this game. You mean from the same people that – couldn't understand why we drafted Daniel Jones, those same people? 100%. Yeah. So I have a rule. Don't bet. Hmm. <laughs> you know, just just watch sports. Have a favorite team. Have a favorite player. Go out to the ballpark. Go to your football stadium. Go to an arena. Enjoy sports. Don't bet on it. Because if I was a betting person, I look at this game and say this would be – Cowboys in Sharpie pen. You know, they're off the week before. Yes. So they'll have, you know, and not only are they off, they play on Monday nights, they have an extra night to prepare. Yep. Having said all of that, with the you know, the, the cat calls for Daniel Jones, I'm going Giants in pencil. Okay. And maybe I might even consider almost going Giants in pen. I just have a feeling that this is one game where I think the Giants put it all together. And I think maybe that that week of rest for the Cowboys, they come off a little sluggish. And there might be a key injury or two somewhere, maybe on the offensive line. Who knows? Uh, this is an important year for Dak Prescott. 
he's going to get paid a lot. A lot of pressure on him to be good, to justify that. I have a feeling that he just has a turd of a game. I, I just – everything tells me that this should be a game where the, the Cowboys crush the Giants. But I just – contrarian mush Mike says I think the Giants are going to win this one. So I'm, I'm going to put this one in pencil for Giants. Interesting. Um, I should have mentioned at the top of this that um, going into this week, I have the Giants at 4-4 four and four, and the Cranky Fan has them at 2-6. and six. Um, yeah. So pretty drastically different. But uh, one thing I want to say is that this is uh, not an easy win for the Cowboys, in my opinion. I think the defense keeps Ezekiel Elliott from being the factor that he usually is. And I, I think the Cowboys, Cowboys struggle to run the ball and run away with the game. Uh, I think it's like low scoring. And I ultimately think that that Eli fuck-up comes on a pivotal fourth and whatever conversion that that's just, you know... Whether it's an interception or, you know, we look at the replay and we see Sterling Shepard wide open, but instead he tried to force it to Golden Tate or Evan Ingram or, you know, whatever, something like that, um, that fans overblow and, you know, whatever. No, but, I'm, looking at their, I'm looking at their schedule right before that. They play at New Orleans in a Sunday night game. Then they play Green Bay mm-hmm. at the Jets. Mm-hmm. A night game against the Eagles, and then mm-hmm. a bye week, then us. Yes, that's uh, you know, that's not murderers, murderers row, but that's not an easy. Oh no, stretch. No, you know, and, and it's. I'll say this: uh, between New Orleans, the Jets, and the Eagles, it's it's pretty murderous on the offensive line. That's that's a heavy workload against those defensive lines. Mm-hmm. And Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers too. Of course, yeah. And that'll be a very, you know. That'd be one of those games, you know, there'll be a lot of Packer fans in Arlington and everything. And it, one of those, you know, you don't know. So, I mean, it could be a time you could catch the Cowboys, if not napping, just, you know, after that bye week, not yet on all cylinders. Like, they're gonna, teams they, need they might buys. even be in a, a difficult spot. I mean, you know, this is only week nine. They have a bye week, week eight. So they have a, they have a pretty decent, easy first three weeks, I guess you could say, with us, the Redskins, and the Dolphins. But then those four games, like you highlighted there, uh, those are not easy. And they could easily be in a, a tough spot with their fan base, their coach. You know, mm-hmm. falling down, you know, three and four, and then coming off a bye week and then losing to the Giants would be... I mean, Jason Garrett's been in much worse spots, but... <laughs> But, that but, guy but you have, have a lot of moving parts now. I mean, this this would be the first time he'd be in that spot with a with a contract to your quarterback that, you know, I, I don't care how many times people have been to the playoffs or not. He's not Tony Romo. I was much more fearful, fearful of what Romo could do versus what Dak Prescott could do. This is a better weird. Cowboys team, but, you know. It's a really weird thing how I think public perception – is that Romo was a choker. Romo was, you know, kind of underachieved, but all of a sudden from day one, people love Dak. And all you got to do is look at the numbers, and it doesn't really hold water. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, Romo really never got the benefit of playing with Ezekiel Elliott and this exact combination of offensive line. I mean, he, he almost had it, but not quite. Right. I don't, that, that's interesting, though. So, so you're going a, a win in pencil, and I'm going loss in pencil? I'm going to go win in pencil for this one. I just say, you know, it's very, very – there's going to be that one game this year where the Giants really put it together in kind of a big spot. And it's very difficult to predict 
when that game will be, and I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt to play darts with a blindfold on and say this is the game. Right, you do that over there. Um, <laughs> then the Giants move on to uh, another home game where everything is green for some reason uh, against the Jets at one o'clock, week ten. Um, and I am putting this one as a win in pencil. Um, I think that the Jets' defensive... First of all, I'm not going to sit here and shit on the Jets. To, to start things off, I, I'm not one of those Giants fans that takes great pride in making fun of the Jets. I, to me, it means nothing. So, we, Yeah, you know, we actually had this conversation at work today about, you know, Jets and Giants and how, you know, we play them every four years. Yep. You know, every eight years is a home game here, like for the for the Giants or something. Other than being roommates, they could easily be the Topeka Jets for all I care. I mean, yeah. it doesn't really – it's just not a situation where it's like Florida plays Florida State every year or the Yankees play the Mets in the Subway Series. It's just happened to be two teams that happen to coexist in the same league but in the same place. So I don't – I just have no feeling about them. They're just kind of there. So I don't have this anti-Jet bias. I also think – while they are making, you know, they are attempting to rebuild and, you know, for, yet for the 87th time, new GM, new coach, questionable, the timing of the hiring of the coach and then a new GM and everything. But they have the foundation of a quarterback. Yeah. And these two teams will always be linked. Their quarterback are running back. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a lot of the subplot of the week. Um. Let's not get crazy yet by thinking that he is an elite quarterback just yet. No, I mean, it, far from that, if anything. I mean, exactly. W- only what he's proven so far is that he is, you know, maybe okay. Do yeah. I think that his ceiling is much higher than that? Absolutely. I like Sam Darnold. Yeah. But, but, but you know something, though? Everybody's so quick to say that the Giants blew it by not drafting him and going with Saquon Barkley. If you want to compare. And this really isn't a fair comparison, but fuck, I'll do it anyway. It's our show. First year production. I'll take Barkley any day. Oh, yeah. If I mean, I, if we're going off first year production, I mean, you don't draft a quarterback for the first three years of his career. I mean, think you do it from years three to hopefully 15. Right. Um, running backs, you're really taking year one to maybe year nine at most. True. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a crude comparison, but I, I absolutely agree with you. Nevertheless, um, I like what the Jets have going on as far as their foundation for rebuilding. I, I think they're in a better spot to rebuild than the Giants were last year. They have some good building blocks, especially on the defensive line. Um, and I think that that defensive line gives the Giants' offensive line some serious fits. I mean, improved though they may be, they are not... There's seven blocks of granite. Yeah, there you go, there you go. Um, you know, this is a much better offensive line than we've seen for several years, but they are not this elite force uh, offensively. And Barkley is going to be able to do some Barkley things against uh, the linebacker core that's a little bit weak for the Jets. I think with the screen game and his ability, if he could just get to the second level, really do things and, you know, maybe putting him in the slot or something like that. That's really where he's probably going to do his most damage in this game. Um, 
But his ability to operate in that screen ba- game is what's going to open up big plays later on. And, and I think this game ends up devolving into a shootout against some poor secondary work. For the Giants, I think it's a young secondary that probably lacks some communication um, and a particularly weak uh, linebacker group in, in coverage. And for the Jets, I think it's just a weak secondary in general. Um, with, with the exception of Jamal Adams, there's not really a whole lot of strength back there. Uh, the difference is um, Darnold has a lot less to work with on offense, and I think that is the undoing of the Jets in this one. Once this devolves into uh, a shootout, I, I think it just the advantage goes to the Giants just because the amount of talent they have on the outside between Shepard and Tate and Ingram and then what Barkley is able to do in so many different facets of the game offensively. Le'Veon Bell, you know, may be very good, but I think the idea that he's the best back in the league is somewhat absurd given the offensive line that he was able to work behind and, you know, quite frankly, how how uh, how old he is. I mean, it's, it's he's not exactly the youngest guy in the world who shouldered quite a bit of workload in Pittsburgh. Um I do think that he is well suited to operate against the Giants linebackers, but I just don't think that he has the same game-changing experience in this game. And I think the Giants are able to come away with this one uh, relatively easily. My other predictions are, and, and I think these are important, is the Cranky fan gets into a fight with another fan in this game. Not a fist fight, but a, a very heated argument. But there is also a fist fight within 10 rows of our seats. And those odds are probably 50-50 at that verbal sparring might be with another member of this podcast. You never know. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. No, you know, I I have the Giants in this in pencil, and really for no other reason, I don't think the Jets are good enough to consistently say, like, they they should beat teams like the Giants just yet. I think you're going to see kind of like a slothy game like you mentioned this could be a game where Darnold struggles. Uh, where are we? What we're now into middle November at this point. Um, kind of the tenth. Okay, so you might see some of those winds starting to uh, swirl around the stadium. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, and also, I don't think Adam Gates is a good coach. I don't think he's proven that he is one. I don't think that he can't be. Yeah. So I mean, I think the Jets have a lot of. They're one of the teams that I really couldn't tell you right now what they're going to be at the end of December, what their record is going to be. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they're 4-12, and 12, and it wouldn't surprise me if they're 9-7. and seven. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't know. They're coming off of kind of a stretch as well. I mean, they have their bye week criminally early at week four, which I almost think shouldn't even be allowed, but... You know, whatever. But they're they're going Eagles, Cowboys, Patriots, Jaguars, Dolphins, Giants. I mean, it, that's it's not the worst gauntlet ever, but it's it's not an easy stretch. <laughs> Following that, the Giants have a bye week uh, at week eleven, which is probably well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Sorry, sorry. Whoa, oh, he should okay. I think it was a win in pencil for the bye week. I think oh, okay. they have a very good chance of winning this, but you never know. Uh, we struggle against the bye week quite a bit, you know. We'll see. So I'm going to put that in a soft pencil for the bye week. Yeah, I, I think that um, 
you know, I think the fans come out against Eli in this bye week game. Um, I well, think that's they, interesting. Yeah. Let's open up this can of worms. What, since we're not playing anybody in the bye week, what do you think are the top three storylines that we will be talking about during the bye week? We have to understand where we're each at here. So you have the Giants winning two in a row, and they are now four and six. I have them at five and five. They just seem to be splitting for me one week after another. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, I think it's more like staying alive. And, you know, I think one of the stories is probably how unspectacular Barkley is in his sophomore year. Um and I think it's mainly just due to the opponents he faces early on. I do think he picks things up as the year progresses. But, you know, a lot a lot of the early opponents the Giants have are just able to shut that down based on their strengths defensively. But I think the other thing is sort of um, that, that the Giants are in, you know, in the NFC East. They're in it. It's They're not out right now. So this is sort of a uh, an excitement, I think. A, a, a very quiet... You know, building of excitement as the Giants come off a win, you know, a, a narrow loss in, against Dallas, but then a a win against the Jets. I think it's actually pretty pretty quiet with some optimism. Yeah, see, I think um, I had them one loss more than you do, but I I'm going to take a wild guess that the NFC East is not going to be very good this year. Mm. I don't think I don't think anybody's running away with it. I could see. I can see the Jets. What they say? We always two games under five hundred as of now. You're yeah four and six. Uh, one game under five hundred. I'm gonna say at this moment the Giants are three back for the division, and I think that the main topic is going to be: Do we go for it or do we? Interesting. Start Daniel Jones. Yeah. I think it's going to be split about. 60-40 go for it versus Daniel Jones. I think go for it is always going to be louder because people are impatient, and that's fine. Um, but Well, wait a minute. Now, impatient can go either way. You know, Are they impatient to be in the playoffs or impatient to get started with the rest of our lives? Well, I mean, you know, fans always want to win now, ultimately. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I think it's always going to be slightly louder whenever it's split like that. So I, as far as I'm concerned, if they're a competitive team and it's 60-40 win now, that's as close as it gets. I don't think it gets any closer than that. Um, but, I mean, there's people who, who want to start Daniel Jones right now, and they're, they're ready to forfeit this season for it. So I'm not at all that, surprised that that would be the story. That's not happening, and I'm sorry. I don't care, you know – what foolish things our head coach says advertently or inadvertently. I don't care if Gettleman says anything that's like a slip of the tongue, you know, or something is just misconstrued for what he says. Eli Manning is starting this season unless he is hurt. So everybody who's trying to create a, a quarterback controversy or thinks there's one or a real competition, it's not happening. Not at all. I don't know. I, 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 I think if it's me personally and we are two out, I think at this point in the season, I am very – I'm not optimistic about the playoffs. So I'm not saying pull the plug, but I'm also not booking my flights for the wild card game or anything. 
Oh, no. And even if they make the wild card, I mean, sure, you're in the dance, but I'm not holding my breath for anything spectacular this year. Nevertheless, yeah. I think as long as you're in it, don't pull the plug. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think, you know, if we are four out, and I'm talking about in it for the division. Yeah, because of course. I, you know, I'm not looking at play wild card because if we're if we're two out of the division, I'm trying to win a division. I'm not if we are four back and it's like, well, we're two back for a wild card spot. I'm thinking about the future. Well, I'm not. I'm not worried about the wild card in week ten. I'll worry about the wild card in week fourteen. Well, that's that's my point. I yeah. mean, I think people. I think a lot of people will say if we're four back of let's say Philly, hey, you know, we're only two back of the last wild card. We should go for it because. And I'm not a. I'm, this is not a season to worry about tanking. I mean, that was what last year was all about. In the year before, it's not a tanking situation. It's just kind of, do you want to start the rebuild with what you have on the roster now that you invested in for the future? Interesting. So, so you have the Giants winning in pencil for the buy. I'm in pencil, soft pencil. Okay. Uh, you know. We'll see what happens. I mean, the bye week may be coming off a bye week. You, you never know. So um, I'll, I'll go with pencil. All right. Uh, f- following the bye week, uh, the Giants go to Chicago where they face the Bears at 1 o'clock. Um, a classic, uh, you know, early winter, old school, brutal game. Um, I'm imagining whipping wins and I'll – won't have to imagine it because I'll be there. Um, I'm going to make every effort to be there with you, Grump. It's just see how the schedule works out. But uh, I've been there before in this type of the time of the season. It can be pretty brutal. Yeah. And, and, and speaking of brutal, I, I have the Giants in this as a win in pencil. And, you know, you had the shock treatment game as uh, uh, versus Dallas. I have it in this game, and I think it's more to do, again, just like last year, what's going on with Chicago more than what's going on with the Giants. Uh, Chicago has their bye week, week six. Then they play New Orleans, the Chargers, which, you know, whatever. Uh, then the Eagles, Lions, and they just come from at Rams. And they that's, that's not an easy stretch there, no. especially with the Lions, that interdivision game. Um, those are just always a little bit more funky than your normal head-to-head matchup. With that, the Giants are coming off of, for my predictions, a win against the Jets and then a bye week. And and for for those two games, they're essentially both home games. So they're not really doing a whole bunch of traveling. They're well-rested. I think that the, the, the nagging injuries that have started at this point in the year, you know, the lingering tight hamstring or the, the funky ankle, um, I think those start to feel a little bit better. And... You know, I I just think that the Bears didn't do enough to to make their team better for this particular matchup. I mean, nor should they because, I mean, that shouldn't be their primary concern. But the Chicago offensive line to me is, is a very pedestrian group. And I would say that the Giants' strongest spot on defense is probably that defensive line, that front seven, uh, as far as this year goes, the the heavy investment was obviously in the back end, but with so much youth back there, I think this year is kind of not going to be the the year for them. But and I think that you know Mitchell Trubisky's limitations in uh, pushing the ball downfield it, it all plays right into the Giants' defensive strengths. Um, along with that, I think the Giants' offense is also sort of 
just just good enough to to attack you know that that in between spot you know the, this linebacker group for the Bears is good with Roquan Smith and um, Khalil Mack obviously you know outstanding but you know the real the real talent is right in that middle there on the defensive line and uh, you know I, I would say in in the secondary but that that middle group as far as coverage goes the that's where Barkley's really going to be dangerous. Barkley, Shepard with those little crossing routes. I just think that this is this is the shocker. This is the one where, you know, that Sunday morning, you know, they they panel across Fox and Michael Strahan's the only one picking the Giants to win and <laughs> it just this is the one that nobody really saw coming. You know, they show the halftime score at the at the Eagles game or something and everyone's like, "Whoa, the Giants are up by 3 scores or, you know, whatever." I just think that this one this one isn't even close. I want to make a couple of an assumption or two before I make my pick. Um we said, you know, during the bye week with the question B, are they close enough to go for it? Uh by mainly by is will Eli still have his job? I will say yes, he will still be the quarterback. Correct. I'm operating on the same assumption, by the way. Yes, because even if they have made the decision in their head, they are going to make the move to Daniel Jones. They, While it would be nice to do it after a bye week, they're not going to do it in a hostile environment, in crappy conditions on the road in Chicago. So I'm going to go with regardless if the season's in the toilet, if there's no chance to make the playoffs or whatever, I think Eli's still the quarterback. Having said that, I have this as a, a loss in pen. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I think this is the beginning of the end of the season for the Giants. Um, the last 12, 13 days, Giant fan has you know false enthusiasm about making a playoff run. The talking heads who parrot each other all say things like, "They have a shot," you know, this and this and this and this. Then I think this is where reality hits him in the face. Where again, I don't think this team is good enough to go on the road against a team that I think is a playoff team in Chicago. Um, I'm putting this one as a loss in pen. I would like to be pleasantly surprised, but I just can't see it. This is definitely, I would say, the uh, based on what I look at the schedule right now. Obviously, in in the middle of June. Um, this to me is the pivotal point if the Giants can really make something happen at this point in the season because I do think that they can split just about that first half. Um, but it, it it takes the the wins now the 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 perseverance the endurance to win late in the year to push you into the playoffs and this is around the time where they're going to have to do it. That being said, I think that that turning point of uh, where the where the season starts to unwind is next week at home against the Packers. That's where all the false enthusiasm starts to fall through. Where I have them beating the Jets and then beating the Bears, you know, idiots thumping their chests all around Manhattan and uh <laughs> Staten Island, I guess. Yikes. <laughs> um the season just falls apart next week. I mean, this this team is not built to compete offensively with the likes of an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady. And Aaron Rodgers doesn't need much more than his his solid offensive line to to be dangerous. And with the likes of Geronimo Allison, Devontae Adams, you know, Jimmy Graham, 
Mercedes Lewis. It's more than enough. It's more than enough to just pick apart this team and make it look easy. Um, at the same time, the, the Giants' pass rush is not talented enough to keep him running on his feet. You know, he's going to be in a position where once he gets out of the pocket, I think he'll be just fine um, if there's any sort of push whatsoever. Offensively, you know, the, the Packers don't have a whole lot going on defensive line. In fact, I think it's criminal what they've let it go boil down to at this point. And I think that Barkley has one of those highlight games, but he's not going to be good enough to do – not that he's not good enough, but it's just not going to be enough to put the whole game on his shoulders. And it's going to look like that Thursday night Eagles game from last year where all of the Giants' highlights are about five Barkley runs or catches, and he looks otherworldly, and there's literally nothing else that's worth watching as a Giants fan after that. I think this one's not even close. This is a loss in pen. This is where even the most diehard Giant fan realizes the season is over. And this is where the cat calls really begin for, for Daniel Jones. Um, the only problem is when do you slot him in at this point? I think this is going to take, you know, this is the decision that the head coach, the general manager, and the owner will make together. Because you're not just replacing a starting quarterback. You are ending an era. And you're entering an era of, you know, of a legend, a guy who's going to ultimately be on the ring of honor. And I'm saying all this that, I'm not saying because Eli's played so poorly to this point because I think he's actually going to have a, a bit of a bounce back year. I think he's going to have, you know, a better offensive line to deal with. I think you know it's not going to be like he sucks bringing Daniel Jones. It's going to be more of a call of this is over. We need to move forward. Now the the real diehard Eli supporters are not going to say that, but I think the overall fan base is going to be like it's time we turn the page and start preparing for the rest of our lives yeah and i you know we'll we'll get to the final four games uh of the season next week and that's probably going to be a common topic between us if and when daniel jones is inserted into a game or starts a game this year um yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about this, but we will save them for next week. Yeah. Well, I mean, we both agree that we don't think it happens up to this point. Uh, For reasons other than injury, no. Correct, yeah. Because, again, I think I think there's going to be two themes, like I mentioned. One, I think Eli is not going to play as poorly as he has the last couple of years. And the second thing is I think up until this point there's going to be, you know, so you're saying there's a chance. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm serious. And I yeah. think, you know, remember something. Head coaches and general managers, it's not like it was 10, 20 years ago where they're going to have, you know, six, seven years to prove themselves. They're fighting for wins. They're fighting for playoff spots. They're play, They're fighting for their jobs. The leases are a lot shorter than they used to be. And the faster you go into, like, rebuilding mode – you get a little bit of a pause on that. So I think they'll do everything they can to try to make the playoffs. But as soon as it's over, they're going to make that, that switch. But they're going to exhaust every opportunity to not make the playoffs. And I don't think there's one person in that in the Timex – still the Timex room? Now what do they call that place now? Uh, Quest, Quest Diagnostics. Quest, I don't think there's one person in that building right now who thinks Daniel Jones is the best option to make the playoffs 
on this roster. And I think as soon as they admit to themselves that they are not making the playoffs, it's not going to be when they're mathematically eliminated. It's going to be, I think, they're going to know is when they're going to move on. And I think it's right around now. This, this is an interesting question, and maybe we should revisit this next week. But what would you consider a successful year given that this is still sort of a rebuild mode? I mean, once you take a quarterback in your first round, you're sort of – you're not really necessarily playing for this year, right? I mean, mm-hmm. given that, I mean, what record to pull out of your ass this year would you say would be considered the the threshold for a successful continuation of this rebuild? Would it be like seven and nine? Seven and nine sounds so much worse than eight and eight, but seven and nine is a significant improvement. What were they last year? Five and. 11? 5 and 11. So you're talking, you know, a, uh, a 40% increase in the amount of wins. Yeah. If you look at it that way, I, I think that's, you know, 8 and 8 would be from a psychological standpoint and aesthetic standpoint, look a lot better than 7 and 9. But to me, 7 and 9 and just seeing overall improvement, a tightening of this team. Offensive line looks like it's legitimately something, you know, continued progress by guys like Barkley and even Evan Ingram, you know, kind of asserting himself and going from like a young guy into more of a young vet. Um, We can get we can understand what the what the secondary looks like with all these young guys coming in, you know, see what we can target for the following free agency and, and draft. Um. I just I think it's more of a feel what this team is more than necessarily a record to say this is would be a successful season. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I, and I think obviously eight and eight would not be a losing season, even if it is ho hum. Uh, but I mean that would be such a marked improvement just not having a losing season. Um, but again, it's going to come. We look back at that 2016 season and, oh, yeah, they only, you know, 12, 11 and 5 with only five losses. But it just didn't seem like the games were so close and everything seemed to be, if it weren't for Odell Beckham with his, with his one play games, it just didn't seem like a very good team. And you're right. It's going to be a much more feel than record thing. But that record does a lot for, I think, maybe probably player confidence and coaches' confidence. So, Yeah, I mean it's going to be one of those things where you're going to feel like – if we go into next offseason where I don't feel like this is a total rebuild mm-hmm. as opposed to like I know what now my, the top three things we need to improve on. That's where I'm going to feel like this is a successful season. If I have a – oh, Jesus – type of feel <laughs> like if, I, if I'm coming after this season thinking is Shermer on the hot seat? What has Gettleman gotten us into? Like, you know, moves that he's made don't seem to be panning off in the short term and in a little bit of the longer term. If I have those feelings, I, it's a failure of a year. If I feel like how I felt after the last draft, like if there's a will, will Hernandez equivalent if there's a superstar comes out of it and a Will Hernandez equivalent where it's like 
these are solid picks. I'm gonna I'm gonna feel good about myself. Yeah, I think I think you're right, and I think that superstar and uh, Will Hernandez thing might be DeAndre Baker and Dexter Lawrence. It's, it's very very possible that those are the the workings of the in there, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. And with that, uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at football underscore grump, where I will continue to talk Giants things and chime in on fun little off-season stories that, like Ryan Dunleavy's Deshaun Jackson's or Jason Witten's story. Um, and uh, you can follow this podcast on Twitter as well at Just Giants Pod. In case the first thing you check in the morning is your Twitter and not your SoundCloud. Yeah, catch me as always at the Cranky Fan where we talk all things Giants, Florida Gators, and right now we're in the heat of a pennant race where my Tampa Bay Rays are playing you bastard Yankees. So uh, losing 3 nothing in the eighth inning here, obviously frustrating again. So I'll have a thing or two to say tonight. Don't worry. I, I, even if you guys are not Rays fans – even if you're not even baseball fans, the cranky fan is a fun follow for baseball. Two <laughs> two weeks ago, you wouldn't have thought the Rays were anywhere near knocking on the door for first place in the AL East. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, as always, do your best to um, hit the follow button for uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, those things. Uh, it just makes life so much easier for you. Um Sure, you may not get it for your notification for your Tuesday morning ride into work, but you can get it for your Tuesday afternoon ride home from work. Yeah, we'll get this thing up as fast as we can in the morning So uh, for Tuesday morning. So as soon as Grump does his wonderful editing job, his master that he always does, we'll get it out there for you. Thank you for that. And as always, let's go Giants. Go Giants. Let's go Giants.